A few years ago, uh, we lived in Wilmore, Kentucky, and I was beginning uh, a year of residency in this doctoral program that I had been accepted into. And uh, our, our family was, uh, you know, like your families, and you were five years ago, five years younger. And, um, and so we were, we were going in there at, in 2005, and my youngest son, Dietrich, was uh, just five years old, kindergartner. And uh, we, we moved in, and this was this kind of strange new place. Wilmore is such a small town, it's really like having a big backyard, because you could pretty much go anywhere. And this little kid was so brave at this time. You know how five-year-olds five are. They're, they're, just so, they're just so exploring, and, and they know no fear. And, and this kid was, he was amazingly uh, brave for his age. Uh, for instance, my friend Bill calls me one day. He lived down a few townhouses down, another student, and, and he says, um, Joe, I'm, I'm upstairs looking out the upstairs window, and I see Dietrich's head sticking out of the top of the tree, and he's actually higher up than I am on the second floor. And so, you know, like I panicked, you know, and I, I didn't tell his mother, of course, and I went out there, and, and, and I looked up, and sure enough, about 30 feet up in the air is a five-year-old on the top of a tree. He looked like a little Christmas angel up there on this uh, pine tree. And so I said, uh, hey, Dietrich, why don't you come on down? Um, Mom made some cookies, uh, and uh, we'll get, oh, come on, Dad, I'm having such a good time. No, no, really, you should come down, and, and we'll go get some cookies. And maybe I hear the ice cream truck. I don't. I don't know what I said to him, but uh, you know, eventually he kind of he kind of worked his way down through, swinging on the the branches as he got down. And then I go, oh, I was so relieved, you know. And and I knew that if his mother had seen him, oh, it'd be it'd be frightening. Another, uh, our other son Benjamin, about the same time, uh, Abby, uh, maybe a day or so later, she's looking out the back window and she sees this kid laying on his back with his arms wide, like like he was hurt and laying on the ground, and so. She opened up the door and she yells to him, Benjamin, are you okay? And he said, shh, I see a hawk circling up there. I'm trying to lure him in. And what were you going to do with him when you got him, you know, is what I'm thinking. But these little kids, you know, they were so brave. Uh, one of the, the other things that Dietrich loved to do is we would go across the street to the, to the uh, seminary and there was this wall and it was about, it was about five feet high and, and he would get up on top of it and he would make me stand on the other side and, and so for him, you know, he's up and, you know, his head's probably, you know, seven feet up in the air now so he's higher than he's ever been and, and he would say, now you stand there and I would stand there and open my arms. And here he would do this. He would close his eyes. Parents know this. You, 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 those of you who have children, you, you remember, they puts his arms straight out closes his eyes really tight and falls forward right into my arms. And I'd catch him and, and he, he would laugh and giggle and he'd say, do it again, do it again. And we'd do it again and, and, and a half a dozen times later, this is it. All right, one more time. And we put him back up there and close his eyes and, and never peek as he leaned forward and he'd fall down into my hands and giggle and laugh. And I was kind of amazed at that time, I remember thinking about how brave these little boys were. And then it occurred to me, you know, it, it's really not courage, is it, at all? I mean, it's, it's a bit of ignorance. I mean, wait till they go to school, you know. That, that'll have a way, you know. Some, you know, uh, some boys mean to them. Some girl says something, laughs at them. So they get stung by a bee or ride a bicycle and fall off. It won't take long. It won't take long for this courage that they have, this fearlessness to kind of get worn off. They'll realize that it's a tough, cruel world out there. There are lots of things to be fearful of. I remember one time we were, when I was a pastor in Canton, and, and perhaps I've shared this with you before, but it, it bears repeating. I was, I had one of my children, they were really young, and, and um, 
I was visiting a parishioner, this uh, woman, Ruby Johnson, who's just a saint of a woman, and she was about uh, 80 years old. I would go over there to pretend that I was like a pastor doing her a favor, like doing a pastoral call, but I really just went there because she was so wise, and she, um, and she made great eggs, and she would share all kinds of great stories with me, and, and I just, I wanted to hear from her and learn from her, and, and one day I was over there, and my, one of my sons was being particularly ornery, and I'm trying to shh, settle down, you know how you do. And she says to me, in one of these times where I really wasn't expecting it, she said, you know, Pastor, that, um, that their problems are as big to them as ours are to us. And you know, I hadn't thought about that for a long time. It's been a while since I've been a kid. It's been a while since I realized how big problems are when you're just five, six, seven years old. That they're as big to you, well, as they are to you when you're 30, 40, or 50, or 60 years old. Even if you're just a kid, those problems are big, and they're big to you. Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, is called upon to do something that he's not particularly excited about doing. You know, people talk about the call of God like it's something to always throw a party about. Oh, they received a call from the Lord. Oh, great, isn't that great? Let's, let's throw a party. We'll have a big celebration. And, and it is. When, when the Lord speaks to you about something, oh, it, it's great to know that God is at work in your life, isn't it? But there are times when the call of the Lord comes upon your life and it's not really a cause for throwing a party at all. And such is the case with Jeremiah. Perhaps you notice something about the call. He says, uh, the Lord says to the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. That sounds like a great thing. Oh, great. I get to be a prophet to the nations. Mother's going to be so proud. Um, except that it kind of goes on a little bit here. Then I said, ah, oh, Lord, prophet speaking, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. If you read on a little bit more, remember in the reading earlier, I appoint you a prophet to the nations to tear down and overthrow, <laughs> to uproot and overturn. This is, a, this is a job description for a prophet of doom, hardly a welcome vocation in any age. Oh, great. You mean I get to go tell people things that they don't want to hear? I'm so looking forward to that, Lord. They're just going to welcome me and, and really, it'll be wonderful. Oh, there's a, there's a silver lining, of course, right? To, to plant and to restore. But that's kind of like a two-thirds doom and destruction and only one-third grace. I mean, it, it'd be kind of like saying, oh, go ahead, get in the ring with the heavyweight champion of the world. They have great doctors here. You know, you'll be fine eventually. People aren't really looking forward to it. And I think Jeremiah probably said something like, oh, yeah, it's all fun and games, God, until somebody gets hurt. You know, somebody gets uh, uh, poked in the eye with a stick or whatever. I I'm just a kid. I'm not really up to this task. I'm not ready. I'm just a kid. Maybe he's saying, you know, Lord, I haven't actually been to seminary yet. And um, once I kind of get through that, maybe we can talk a little bit. Maybe then it wouldn't be so bad. I haven't been to graduate school yet. Uh, maybe once I, I think through some of these more complex matters, maybe, maybe then I'll be ready. Please, just send someone else. I'm sure that you've got a stockpile of people back there just waiting to do something. Could you not just send someone else? 
And what's the message that the Lord says? Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Oh, Jeremiah, I've been waiting for you. You're ready. Your time has come. I know you all together well, inside out. I've known you before anyone else knew you. I knew you before you knew you. And I think you're ready. But maybe there's another way to see Jeremiah's reluctance. Maybe it's not just about, you know, hey, I'm on my first driver's license still, God. Maybe it's about, um, about I don't really have adequate resources for this. Not only am I immature, but I don't really have what it takes. You know, I'm not the prophet of doom kind of guy. You know, I, I could do stand-up, maybe a little, a little shtick comedy, you know, vaudeville. I can do that. Prophet of doom, don't really think I'm quite up to that. God, I don't think I have what it takes. I don't think that I'm spiritually ready for this sort of thing. And God goes right along and says, well, here's what you're going to do. As if he almost doesn't listen to him. Kind of like when I go to my grandmother's house. I used to go to my grandmother's house and she would, um, as soon as I walked in the door, do you know what my grandmother would do? Well, you know. She would say, are you hungry? No, Grandma, I just ate. I just had, I just had a bite to eat just a, a, an hour or so ago. I'm, I'm feeling good. And she would go to the refrigerator. Right? I said no. And she's pulling out ham and salami and pepperoni. And, and she's, do you want whole wheat bread or white? I, I really don't want a sandwich, Grandma. I just, I mean, I really just ate. My grandmother believed that you had to put butter on, um, on every sandwich. I don't know. Do you have a grandmother like that? Butter on every, it doesn't matter what you're putting on it. it I don't even like it. But, you know, she's, she's there grabbing stuff out. And she would say, do you want mayonnaise or, or mustard? I can never remember you or your brother. And, no, Grandma, I'm really... Just put butter on it. You know, go ahead. Take ham. Before I knew it, I'm sitting down at the table and I'm eating a sandwich and a glass of milk. This is kind of the Lord in Jeremiah. Uh, Lord, I, I, really, I really am not up to this. I'm just a kid. I'm unprepared. I, I, I'm, I'm not ready to do this. Oh, here's what you're going to do, Jeremiah. And he goes right along and tells him exactly what he's going to do. God, I'm scared. I don't really want to do this. Don't worry, Jeremiah. I was there when you were formed in your mother's womb. God, I'm really not ready. I'd rather you send someone else. You're going to be fine, Jeremiah. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'll be with you all the way through this thing. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But God, I'd rather you just send someone else. Well, here, Jeremiah, is exactly what you're going to do. And sometimes, and sometimes it's not just some ancient Near Eastern fellow named Jeremiah back in the deep resources, or recesses of time. But sometimes, sometimes that call comes to people, you know, just like us. People who have other plans and the call of the Lord comes upon us and we're like, no, 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 you know, I really can't do that, God. I've got other things to do. Uh, um, I, I teach at a, at a university right now, too, and, 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 you know, we always have these students who are fearful. Oh, no, God might call me to the mission field. What happens if he calls me to Africa? And, and maybe someone here today was thinking, that, you know, if I really gave the Lord full permission to do whatever he wants to do in my life, maybe he'd call me to Africa. Or worse, Pittsburgh. You know, uh, 
I don't know where I might wind up, and, and I don't, I'm not really sure that that future is exactly what I want to give to God. And just like a little boy out to the edge of the wall, the Lord says, jump, I'll catch you. Oh, but, you know, um, maybe, maybe we're toying with a vocational change, or, or maybe, um, maybe you want to, cut back on work and spend more time with family and don't know how you're going to afford it. Or, or maybe the Lord's been kind of spurring you to, to, um, to give to some ministry and you're wondering, do I have enough money to really do that? Or, or maybe volunteer to, to work with children or, or work in the city or volunteer at a hospital or I don't know what He's calling you to do, but maybe He's been calling you to do something and it's kind of been right there. And right now, even though I haven't even mentioned it, it's running through your head. And you hear the Lord speaking to you again, and you're saying, I don't think I can do that. And the Lord says, jump. I'll catch you. You're safe. Perhaps you've heard of Albert Schweitzer. This um, this man was quite accomplished. Four doctorates. Music, medicine, theology, and philosophy. I think this guy was a serious bookworm, don't you? A four earned doctorates. And what did he do with all of this learning? What did he do with this ability to make, you know, vast sums of, of money and, and have influence and power all over the world? What did he do with it? Well, he went to Africa to serve lepers. And people always asked him, don't you feel like you're wasting your life? No, he would say. I'm doing what I'm called to do. And I don't know... I don't know what the Lord's calling you to do. And I don't know what your response is, but if it's something like, I'm not ready for this, I'm just a kid, even if you're 75 and saying it, which is quite okay. I'm not ready for this. I'm just a kid. I'm unprepared. The Lord's word to you is the same. Jump. I'll catch you. You're safe. It's going to be scary. There are going to be people who oppose you, Jeremiah, and there will be people who perhaps oppose you. You might even look silly. But I wonder if being a kid isn't so much a liability as much as it's an asset. You know, my, my little son would get out there when he was just five years old, stand up on the edge of the wall, close his eyes real tight, and giggle as he fell. Now... He didn't know me well enough. I mean, there might have been a possibility that just for kicks I would have backed up and seen what would have happened if he had landed on the ground without me there. But he kind of knew I wouldn't. He knew. Little Dietrich, five years old, doesn't even know how to tie his shoes, and yet he knows that I'll catch him. How did he know I would catch him? How could he know that so much that he would close his eyes and fall forward? Well, because in just his little short lifetime, he had learned that there were two people. There were two people who loved him more than life itself. They would do anything for him. He knew. He knew his father would catch him. My question this morning to you is what do you know? Amen.